Hello, and welcome to um, my show, and thank you for coming. This is episode uh, 32, I think, or 33, and the second day of the coronavirus lockdown here in San Francisco from where we are broadcasting. My name is Sela Raffaele, and today I have with me on the show Emilia. Hi, everyone. How are you doing, Emilia? I'm doing well. Definitely in the quarantine along with everybody else in San Francisco and the area. So how, how has the quarantine been for you so far? It's been interesting. It's been uh, weird. I feel like at least the news has been coming like probably in the last like two weeks that, you know, I've been going to the gym and it's been becoming emptier. Um, and so I think the first sort of, you know, there's the five stages of when you go through a breakup and denial, etc. So um, one of the things was just to like see as many friends as possible last week. And have last minute gatherings. So I think psychologically, I was coming to terms with the fact that this lockdown is actually going to happen. Um, and so by the time already Sunday came around and the lockdown was, act- you know, Sunday was already sort of people were going in and we knew that it was going to happen like yesterday or in the next day or two. Um, so I was already sort of mentally preparing um, already for that. In my particular case, my company already issued official work from home um, for the past three weeks. Um, But I've already started working remotely even before that. So um, on that front, it's interesting. Um, But I would say overall, um, probably this is probably the first time um, that I can remember where if I always like my own space and like being alone, this is the first time where I suddenly realized you're actually, you know, you'll be physically farther away from people and so being like fully alone these two weeks or however long this will actually last might actually be not that good of an idea so um, I'm fortunate enough that actually in my particular case my family was around and they have a big house so I actually packed a few things just an hour away from San Francisco to sort of write this out and at least be with a few other people physically um, although I'm also socializing lots of people as well um, and for me, what's important is to have a routine. So I try to still get up in the morning, exercise. Um, I'm still, I think, along with everybody, I'm still coming to terms with it, like what it exactly means, um, the lockdown. But um, my gut feeling, and I think also for many other people as well, is it's going to be a very weird week. And then we'll probably find, quote unquote, the new normal in terms of figuring out how the routine will go from now on. Um, for me, also the hardest part as an extrovert and liking to be around other people is the fact that coming to terms, you cannot be around other people physically. Um, but again, you have to adjust. And if those are the worst problems that I currently have, and I know some people have others, um, I will deal with it and we'll get through it. So that's sort of how it's been affecting me so far. Well, that was a very good answer. When I, when I studied, uh, I remember being in uh, middle school and we had uh, this concept, uh, a, a correct and complete answer. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Yeah. I've also had the, the other thing about this quarantine and as this was coming down is, especially now at least, I have a lot more time to myself. So I feel like since, I mean, yes, I talk to other people, et cetera, but I feel like I'm also having a lot more inner dialogue with myself, you know, because the only person around is me. Um, But uh, yeah, thank you so much for that. 
Yeah, so tell us a little bit more about this inner dialogue. What, what is it like? What, what sort of thought patterns do you notice happening between you and yourself? That's actually a very good question. Um, I guess the way I would go with is the difference between before and after. Um, I mean, another side note is I learned recently, I don't know if you have that, actually not everybody has an inner monologue with them you know um apparently not everybody thinks it's the same exact way where i assumed everybody like me has this sort of like inner voice or inner monologue that they have you know sort of like narrating um at least that's how i think and how i work um but before i would say i mean i always definitely like think about things and do things but always at least the way i do things is I always like to stay busy, whether it's work or learning something new or being with friends or something. Um, I try to stay busy. So I think all the time, but um, I would say I'm thinking and actually interesting thinking about lots of things at once. Now, I think the quarantine, one of the effects has been, especially in the last week and as we're right now going, quote unquote, for a full lockdown is. I sort of have a bit more time to think about one thing only. So, you know, I'm not rushing from place to place right now or trying to fit in as many things as I can do within a day. Um, so the inner dialogue has been more about thinking about the small and the big questions for, um, especially again, as much as I hate it. And I, there's a love hate relationship here where the news is changing daily and even hourly. So I'm consuming the news all the time about the coronavirus. I'm talking all about the coronavirus, thinking about its impact. Um, but at the same time, I'm like, it's an overkill. We really need to talk about something else, even within myself. But I keep sort of thinking how it affects us, how it affects society, etc. cetera. Um, but uh, really, I think the inner dialogue is more about Things that I always thought about, but now I have even more time to think about, whether it would be, for example, spirituality or what I think about my political views. Because interesting, I think coronavirus, I think personally, I think it's, it's going to make everybody question their political beliefs in some way. Um, or they might, if they stick to their guns, and it's fine if they do, it just, you know, it's an interesting thing. Um, but the inner dialogue is, sorry, I think I'm going on a tangent, but in a short, succinct is, I think my inner dialogue is thinking a lot more about the things I always think about, but for a longer period of time, um, and sort of really having the time, the space right now to think about things and what I think, um, because now again, there's no really rush to go anywhere or anything as well. Um, and something I always knew before but now especially is um how it's very important at least for me to have really deep conversations with people and etc um because that's the one thing is you're at least self isolating I think the thing that just keeps being to me really being really important is to talk to other people and not about hi how are you doing but sort of also I think interestingly my dialogue with other people has been since actually on the deeper things and things that matter and so on um so, yeah, hopefully that answered the question. But long story short, and I think I'm repeating myself already, um, just I have a lot more time to think about the things I always thought about, but to really have a longer time to think about it at once as well. 
Um, and one thing that has always been occurring and I need to still solve it in some way is um, I definitely have a lot, lot of inner dialogue. I have stories, et cetera. And I always have even like long blog, blog posts in my brain before I go to bed. Um, and then, you know, and then I sleep and then I f- don't really remember how detailed it was, et cetera, the next day. Um, so now I think with the time, I probably need to figure out some medium or something to write down somewhere sort of the long thoughts and everything that I have. So that's that. Um, thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. That was impressive. Yeah. Thank you. I like it. I like it. Um, yeah. Okay. So let's talk, let's have a deep conversation. What sure. sort of, what sort of topics are you interested in? Ooh, that's a very good question. What I'm interested. Let's start with, well, this is philosophy and the human condition. That's probably a thing that you can always have. Um, Philosophy, human condition, um, spirituality. um, Well, tell us. Tell us what is the human condition for you? What is the Emilia condition? What is it like to be you? Oh, that's ah, now I feel important. Um, but what does it feel to be? Um, uh, you know what? It's it, so. First of all, I think I'll say that uh, the human condition for uh, for everyone, I think, is very personal and very unique, and that's something. Um, but I think to be me has been um for most of my life. I think the way I felt is that I'm in some sort of some type of a race. Uh, to prove, I think, to myself that I'm as good as everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that comes actually really probably from the way I grew up, the very competitive environment I grew up in. Or, uh, um, I would call that uh, the Jewish condition. Exactly. Very much a, very much sort of an immigrant Jewish condition on top of it. It's so a Silicon Valley. Um, all of that together. So I always have felt like, for majority, and this is an interesting change, but until probably the last three years, I've always felt like I was simply not good enough. Um, and what's interesting is, is that I can't pinpoint because, you know, because I grew up sort of saying I'm the best and I can do what I want. I've never had anywhere anybody say you are not good, but I've always felt that sort of imposter syndrome for the lack of a better word. I think that's actually pretty accurate where I felt like I was always racing to prove to something to somebody else. Um, And the side effect of that is to some degree, and again, I think that's also the condition of how I grew up in. And uh, an interesting one of that is um, I never could fully like relax and let myself be. Like I always felt like I need... Like I always felt like even when I was younger, et cetera, I couldn't relax until I reached point A. Fine. When I reached point A, I'm like, okay, how do I reach to point B? Um, And then, okay, once I get to point C. And so the human condition, I think, was actually how do I become the best and how do I stop feeling like I have an imposter syndrome? Um, I think that was pretty much the main theme in terms of my human condition. and how I thought about things. Um, I think that also led to, for again, I'm going to be vulnerable here, for the majority of the time, it also, I think, led to a lack of self-confidence. It definitely led to the fact, again, I'm simply not good enough. So I always, I think, 
I don't know if it's wrong or right. I sort of admired everyone around me and always thought everybody else had had it better than me, which sounds really stupid now that I think about it. Um, but um, but that was the majority. Um, but then two, three years ago, um, there was a turning point. And again, to the point that I think the other important thing about the human condition, which seems very logical and very obvious, is that we're always changing. We're not the same people. Um, and so um, today I'm 30, but like around two years ago, I was like, okay, I'm going to be 30. Um, what are some goals I want to achieve? So I will really feel it's not that so much I was scared of turning 30. It's that I want to feel like I've done with my time, like what I wanted to do. And so it was a few things. Um, at the time, I lived in the South Bay and I worked at actually the same company, but I said, I want to do very well in my job. I want to. Uh, lose weight. I want to find a place that I'm actually really happy with, happy in, in terms of living space. Um, I want to sort of really sort of be closer to my friends. Um, and, and I really sort of, I was always the type of person that in general was able to reach some of my, uh, most of the dreams not related to when it comes to like being a good student. And when it comes to being good at working generally, that was sort of, in general, my identity. But, um, but once I sort of set those goals, and for me, one of my part of my condition is at least is also, again, I think comes from the way that I was sort of brought up is that a woman is supposed to be pretty, look good, lose weight, be smart, all of that, etc. And so if you don't have one of those things, then you're also not good enough. So if, for example, I sort of did the check marks of being a good student, being good at work, all sort of the way a classical, at least in the view that I grew up, that a you know a Jewish woman should be. They're like, okay, but you need to lose weight, and I don't mean only from a superficial standpoint, but they're also like from a health point, etc. And so that was literally like the one goal that was for me, at least, was like the one goal that kept like going up and down through my twenties. And so once I was able to achieve that goal um and I actually took seven eight months but I even surprised myself how much control I took of myself did lifestyle changes and was able to do that what's interesting is how it led to how I see myself completely different I mean now I'm like now I can achieve goal and then I also moved to San Francisco I literally checked off everything I wanted to do um which were a little bit different goals than I set out for the majority of my 20s. And so suddenly, mentally, I felt like, okay, I, I can do this. And apparently, I can take on more goals. And I don't, don't just mean like work and school related. Um, I felt this, uh, this has been literally the happiest I've ever been with myself, uh, learning to appreciate myself. And, um, and I don't know if it's maturity or etc. But sort of, appreciating myself more so the human condition today is I think I'm not so much there's still a lot of stuff that is always evolving and I think we're always learning about ourselves but it's not so much that it's now sort of in the sort of new phase of like okay how do I get to the next stage of life and how do I get to where I want to go um but sort of, I already sort of think that I am good. I'm okay enough. Yes, there's things that I need 
to change about myself because I don't think anybody's perfect. I especially don't think I'm perfect. But I think the human condition for me today is really sort of like really being happy of what I achieved so far and a big question mark of how the next few years will look like. Um, but um, so the human condition, you know, so the person that was even two years ago in terms of mentally and physically and spiritually seems a little bit different. So, um, and I also feel it in the way sort of how other other people are interacting with me as well. My friends noticed that I was a lot happier, um, that I'm sort of a lot more energetic. Um, and I sort of also am able today, oh, also part of my condition is, especially in my 20s, I think I was a little bit more of a people pleaser. So I was the kind of person that if my friends always wanted me or to do around or something, I would put them first and I would rarely say no. And today, again, I think this is also part of getting older. Today, also part of my of me is just simply saying no and thinking what's the best for myself as well. So um, I'm evolving, and I think the human condition is is evolving. Um, and also, I think today um, I go, I think, a little bit more with the flow, and I'm a lot more chill than I used to be. That sounds awesome. Yeah. So that's a little bit about my condition. Yeah. What are your some of your favorite topics, by the way? Uh, some of my favorite topics? Yes. I think my favorite topic would probably be something between philosophy and spirituality uh-huh. and um, religion. It's, uh-huh. it's kind of like uh, the human condition, which is why I was um, happy to, to go down that path. Yeah. Yeah. Can you, can you? Yeah, yeah. I think it just like broke off for a second, but you came back. Um, Um, I have an interesting question I wanted to ask. Do you enjoy talking to people that agree with you or disagree with you? um, Both. Okay. I mean, I'm not, it doesn't really matter if people agree with me or not. They don't need to. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, looking at a landscape and just describing it and being like, hey, look at these over here and the other person's like oh yeah look at those you know water buffalo over there right so i don't view it as a matter of uh, agreement versus disagreement i actually agree with you here yeah fully agree here on that point yeah yeah it's um i've been very interested recently i guess in the concept of attitudes and how different people at different times including myself have different attitudes and just being aware of this aspect of being able to choose your attitude to life um and the fact that it's sort of an attitude doesn't really come from anywhere i mean you could sort of explain what caused a person to turn this way but it's uh a part of it seems to be just a choice attitude yeah could be viewed as a choice and if we can choose if we could choose our own attitude which i think we can then what attitude should we choose and what is the best attitude and then experimenting with various uh, frames of mind or various emotions, various you know stories or role uh, to be playing is a lot of fun for me. I mean, if you were playing in a movie, I think my favorite metaphor for life is is the TV series or a Ooh, movie. Which one? Any well, that I mean, that's the question. Oh, got it. Which one? Yeah. Series. So when I was in university, I used to call our condition uh, Melrose Place, which is a TV show, kind of like Beverly Hills. Oh right, yeah. So, 
sort of cast of characters and and an incredible number of complicated relationships between the subgroups of the, and, and between the characters. Um, and you had sort of seasons and episodes and plot lines and, you know, character arcs and twists and so on. And life is, is very much still that way. Um, but the, the vibe has definitely changed. Hmm. Diversity days. Yeah. And the genre tends to change. So now we are, we are suddenly, you know, for the first time in my life, at least in a, not yet a zombie apocalypse, but we have shades of that. And uh, it feels like it. Yeah, it feels like it might. It might devolve into that. But we, we certainly have a sort of a pandemic scare, which is also a genre I had not even considered as an option. And then once you find yourself, you know, in, a, in an unknown scenario, in this like weird, trippy, dreamlike, movie-like reality, you have to choose your own role. Right, like who are you in this world? Are you who you used to be? No, because things have changed. Exactly, happen. So you have to choose who you are and what you are to other people, and what you feel about the current situation. And so it's, I think it's better to have like a fun attitude about it, just because then it would be fun, you know, just by definition. If we like have a fun attitude about it. So, yeah, um, a few thoughts. I agree with you. I just wouldn't call it attitude. I would say, well, yeah, attitude, point of view, and how you relate to the situation. Um, Exactly. Um, I think, exactly, I think our point of views and how we feel about things changes. I also do think we are in control in terms of, of, in many times, our point of views and how, we change, you know, and how we respond to situations. Um, I think the other thing is about this quarantine is it's really easy. I am of the person that's trying to be as positive as possible about this as well. Um, but the thing is about this is day to day, I think you definitely need, at least in my, I'll talk about myself, is I need to talk to other people to keep sort of this good attitude positivity alive because um it's something new that i think our current generation at least our current generation i think hasn't seen like this um i would call it like a weird pandemic situation which we actually do not know um how long it will actually last etc i i mean i have my own views that it could take anywhere from two months to 18 months who knows but it's certainly i agree the only thing we can control right now is how we feel about it and what we do about it and again and sort of control the things we can control so i agree with you we can't really control it we're in this pandemic sort of situation but we can control how we view it what we do with the time and um and the thing is having like a good attitude the positive attitude i think is the only way to really quote unquote survive and um, you know, cause this will also eventually end. At least this isn't not like the traditional war where people will die, but not in that traditional sense. Um, and so I absolutely agree with you that it's important to keep the positivity alive, but I think to keep the positivity, what's really important is while we're social distancing is actually to talk to other people um, and to really sort of remember, because at least for me, if I would be completely by myself, no matter how positive of a person I am, I would start to go crazy if I don't talk to anybody. Um, 
But and I absolutely also agree with you that I think genres during life change for sure, hundred fifty percent. You now you got me thinking how I would classify. Uh, you know, if what I would relate to, um, I know one of my favorite series of all times, like everyone's is like Friends, but I don't think it's necessarily relevant because Friends is too sort of in another universe where everybody has a good apartment and all friends sort of get together with no worries. Although at some point in the 20s, that might have been sort of the case where you only worry about your job and seeing your friends. Um, I don't even know which movie I would go but I 150% agree with you our attitudes should be changing because situations are changing and we're also changing and the important thing is to keep in mind is that it's okay um that things are changing etc and also I personally think what's fascinating about this is despite what people are talking about the coronavirus and what etc and so on nobody really people are trying to give the best information etc but it's weird is that nobody really knows anything. So we're sort of in all of this together where making the best of it. And then, but we don't know, there's no clear answers. Um, and I also love history a lot. So I think this time will also be super fascinating because I have a feeling that um, with the whole world sort of shutting down its borders, it's definitely going to go down in history. And so I'm also trying to think of rather than like the short term, like day to day is where we'll be in a year from now, in two years from now, in three years from now. Um, and what are even advances going to happen beyond just ourselves personally, um, but in society and culture and etc. And from that point, I think this is the weirdest, most fascinating time. Um, and it's sort of like the black swan nobody expected. But exactly, we don't have a choice. So the best choice, I think, is just to roll with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I think people need. Uh, I'm really connected to the uh, the mood in Israel, uh, which is, I guess, where I still consider home. Right. Um, Israel is a very communal uh, community where everyone is exactly in this together. Uh, exactly. Everybody is extremely stressed. Yes. Yep. Probably rightfully so, uh, given the economic downturn and given the uh, political uh, upheaval that's been going on in the last few days. Um, yeah. The fact that it's a country that is just used to being in trauma. So at this point, it's sort of a, all right, here we go again, um, sort of reaction. Exactly. I would also add, compare, so I'm also from Israel. I also consider it home. Um, I also have all, besides my immediate family, everybody else is in Israel right now, so both my friends and family, we talk all the time. Um, I think the other difference with the U.S. is, yeah, it's smaller. People are a lot, I think, are a lot more used to being with each other and going home all the time. From my perspective also, I think the other difference and the worry is, I think people live a lot closer to their families than they do here in general. So I think contact between young people and old people, I don't know if this is true empirically or not, but I feel like, in general, it's a lot more frequent, um, you know. Um, and so I think that's probably why, as I read, sort of Israel, I feel like it's taking like a little bit more, not is doing a little bit more extreme measures than I see here. And I, I don't 
and I think it's probably for a good reason, but I certainly think from everything the same as you, it feels like it's smaller, it's communal, and it's definitely a bit more um, stressful. Um, and it's also interesting for me to keep on comparing because I'm also following both how it's, what's going on in Israel and what's going on in the U.S. And uh, yeah, um, and it's also for me, I have, uh, my uncle is a doctor um, and my aunt actually works at a supermarket. So they're also sort of, it's interesting to hear also from their perspectives, you know, um, with what's going on. Um, but yeah, for my friends in Israel, they're like, for the, I mean, it's weird everywhere, but like, I feel like psychologically they needed to take in it, it in a lot more. The fact that now you're not supposed to go and be next to people where it's such a huge part of society to be around people, even more so, I would say, than in the U.S., in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. You can really tell the difference between the reaction in Israel as a country and as a community. Exactly, and yeah. Uh, in Israel, uh, the government and the community really care about each other and, you know, uh, amongst each other and the government cares about the community, the community cares about the government. And here in the U.S., it is exactly the opposite and nobody cares about anyone. The government definitely does not care about the citizens. I mean, it, it just seems obvious at this point. And uh, most of the citizens do not care one about the other. You know, it's uh, I mean, and people in San Francisco, we're used to stepping over people in the street on the way to work. That is something we've been doing for years. So uh, we're kind of used to that and it's not going to change right. now. If anything, it's going to get worse because now everybody's just scared of getting, um, you know, infected by the contagious disease. And I think it's going to get worse. People are going to, the fear it has already come back. When people step away from strangers and they step away, especially from people, from foreigners, you know, people who came from other countries um, this won't go away very fast. Um, yeah. It's really a shame. Yeah. Step up and, I mean, this is us now. We are the people of the city now. So it is whatever we personally do to, to let everyone know that it's going to be okay and to help out even the people we don't know and to help out even those who don't have any friends. Yeah, and exactly. Yeah. A um, few points on that. Yeah, I think the other difference is uh, Israel is a small country and the government, first of all, the political situation right now is a little like in Peter, so they have also interest to do it, um, measures as quickly as possible. Um, the other problem is, I would say, with the U.S., U.S. is a huge country. So to probably enforce the same measures as quickly is difficult. But the other thing is, with a huge country, I think it's a little bit harder to try to tell everyone, please stay home because this is for the good of others. You know, exactly as you would say, in Israel, where it's a small country, you're around a lot of other people and there's still the communal feel. I think it might be a little bit easier to wrap your head around this crazy idea that, no, you're not, if you are young, etc., you're not going to die, but you should stay home. And I feel like in the U.S., it's just very hard. Um, and um, exactly. And um, on that, um, and exactly, I it, what's interesting, not interesting, but what sucks about this is this virus literally goes, I think, against where it literally goes, in, you know, in the face of everything that sort of the world is today, which I think is a positive thing in general with globalization and travel and people 
coming into co- into contact with different cultures and um, and uh, really sort of figuring out how big the world is, which I personally think is a good thing. Um, but this virus just literally in the face of it is literally right now people can't travel, can't etc. And I'm the same way. I very much empathize with people who, let's say, were here immigrants with no families, because now I think it's going to be very hard for anyone in the world to go, you know, come go to another country. First of all, it's not a good idea. But in general, I think the borders are closing in general all over the world. Um, and uh, exactly, it's at the time where we need to be physically apart. I think we need to be sort of in close with each other virtually as much as possible as well. Um, and the only way I would say that this part of the weird timing, I think is for lack of a better word, it just sucks because also one of the things I love, and I know many people, you know, among my friends, we all love is travel and figuring out how big the world is and how people are different from us. And literally this virus is literally going exactly like a slap in the face, um, in all of that. And I think it just sucks. Yeah. It's uh, it, we're going to need to come to terms with the fact that the world. I mean, we'll see. It's very hard to predict the future. Right? Things as we've seen, but it might be the case that things have things are changing now in a way that we will be telling the younger generation. You know, it did not used to be this way. You know, we used to move around, and we used to know other cultures, and we used to party together, and. I I really damn hope, I mean, I'm just talking about myself. I really damn hope this is temporary, like that, like once the vaccine is here or something, you know, um, that we will go. I don't know how long it will go back to being normal, but I personally really, um, I really, really hope this is temporary. Again, I'm just speaking my thoughts. Like, I really damn hope this is temporary. And like travel and being with other people in different cultures is not like, you know, caught up forever. Um, yeah, and I, uh, we'll see. But we'll see. I'm exactly with you. Nobody knows. But um, that's my hope. One thing that I think, for example, will become uh, on a personal level, I think we're going to be the, the fear will be back and the judgment will be we'll, we'll have more judgment. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I personally think, I hope not. Um, I don't know. Yeah. One thing I've thing on a personal level is I think yeah. I'm going to uh, take off my beard, you know, because we'll be, we're, we're going to go back into a society which judges people more and judges them on hygiene and how home they, they look, you know, are they, do they come from a nice clean home? But what what is the what are the odds of them being sick? You know, even and all these things happen even subconsciously, and with all this fear being pounded into people's heads. So for, with men, one um, standard sign of hygiene and uh, class and social stature and being at home is being shaved. Yeah. Shaved. So I I have a beard, and I, I think I'll be removing my beard because it's going to make that much of a difference in the way people perceive me um, as being trustworthy and safe. And that's probably because I hate shaving, which is why I have a beard in the first place. <laughs> but it's going to be in, in Israel. Everyone has a beard here. The only, most people, the ones that have beards, are the immigrants like no, me. But I think beards are actually in style right now with the hippies and everything. I don't think you look too much out of place with a beard if you take good care of the beard. I'm uh, you know. now beards are going to go out of fashion. 
Ah, interesting. Maybe maybe you are right. I can't comment on that. I haven't thought of that. Because... Um, yeah, but that makes sense, actually. Well, I mean, that... But... I mean, we'll see. We'll see. This yeah, no, a... no, no. We'll see. No, no. So I'm just formulating, yeah. I'll, I hope that people are smart enough to know that, again, I think you might be right. I hope that's not the case because I hope what people will, you know, understand or at least I understand about this crisis is, from my point of view, it's not that it's like one person is terrible because they did something, you know, like bad or something and et cetera. The problem was is that somebody did something, they went to a doctor, some specialist, somebody, especially, you know, from China, figured that out, um, you know, and then at some point the Chinese government said, no, this is not serious, et cetera, balled into effect, et cetera. Now we have that. So I would hope the actual result of this is, which is hard because there's so many different political systems in the world, is more transparency and um, sort of research collaboration. Um, I think that should be, sorry, I'm talking on a, that's in general, the high level. I hope that's what's getting, will be taken, you know, um, will definitely be taken, the lessons that will be learned from this. Um, but I also agree with you now that I'm thinking about it. I really am looking from a perspective of somebody that is in San Francisco, that is in the Bay Area, where we try to have, I think, a more heightened, you know, um, in my opinion, heightened sort of um, view and really check ourselves and what we think, how we think of the others, et cetera. And that may not be the case, you know, for the rest of the country. The rest of the country is not like San Francisco or et cetera. So um, now that I'm thinking, I think my point of view really comes from personally just being in this area as well. Um, yeah. it, I mean, if you consider not just the rest of the country, but the rest of the world. Exactly. And, right. Exactly. Uh, people who come from overseas right now, we're telling them, hey, don't touch me until you've spent yeah. at least two weeks. That. Help. Yeah, that reminds me of a point, actually. Um, so I work for a company, and they have a big R&D center in Sri Lanka, and I have teammates that are in Sri Lanka. And Sri Lanka is a more developed country. Um, it has great things about it. I've been there. I love it. But I was talking to them, and like I'm so thinking about the Western response. But in developing countries that they get it, the response might be very different, because culturally and so on, so they were saying how there is so much there is a lot of misinformation about coronavirus that's everywhere, but especially those countries like people say, hey, you need to do like these fake treatments. Um, there's also a cultural element there as well. If you do this, etc., as well, and you're right that on a global scale, actually, again, I'm also very thinking on a global scale. I do think it might change very well, and the rest exactly. And the rest of the world is not like San Francisco or Israel or that. Um, and exactly, yeah, that's the weird part about this virus is that scientifically we need to do all these things, but it goes right in the face of all the things I think we as society tried and will still try to quote unquote, I don't want to say eradicate, but like be better than that. Um, but I agree with you. Actually, now that I think about how the world will be, I agree with you. Yeah. I hope not, but it could very well be the case. Yeah.
Yeah, I mean, it's very hard to predict the future, right? We, I agree, exactly. Yeah. Very wrong with that. I'm always wrong with. I, I look back at my predictions from years ago, and I've been wrong more often than I've been right. I think, or at least those are the the times that I remember. Maybe I'm wrong about this assessment too. You know, okay. this is what a standard conversation with me looks like, where I start doubting the doubts. And, no, no, you know, I'm the same way. But my question to you is, what is some interesting? I don't know if it's interesting or funny prediction that you have that now you look back and you're like, that was way off. I mean, I, um, I I was towards the end of my army service in 2008, yeah. and um, I was studying Spanish and getting ready to travel to South America, which I did after the army service, and I had a lot of uh, free time. And Israel had just uh, signed a ceasefire with Hamas and had just uh, finished some negotiation to return the bodies of two uh, captured soldiers from Hezbollah in the Ooh. north. Um, yeah. And- it was it was a, a period of relative um, you know ceasefire in Israel, which is which is rare, which is yeah. just like nobody's there's no active conflict. And then the news started talking about you know the fall of Lehman Brothers and other financial developments um, overseas in, in the West. And I was blogging and I had no idea what I was talking about, you know. And I was writing, hey, you know, it's just people are just bored. They're just there's nothing to write about, so they start to talk about the economy, and this is nothing. <laughs> And uh, yeah. Robert chimes in and says, "I'm like, uh, this is this is going to be serious. You know, people are going to feel this. Uh, this is going to be a big deal." And I was like, "Nah." So I, that that is one example where I was uh, a thousand miles uh, off mark. You know, um, and so I, I always remember that instance as as a very salient example of how I have no idea what's what's going on. Hey. Well, I don't. Uh, I, sometimes I think I do, and sometimes I can phrase it in very eloquent ways, and sometimes I can convince other people that I know what I'm talking about. But it's nothing more than an illusion that we sell ourselves, you know, these stories of describing what's going on. And uh, this is will slide quickly into psychedelics and Buddhism because this trend of viewing reality, the way we view it is just a collection of stories that we have picked up along the way, right? And we could view it as anything else. Um, so the narrative we ascribe ourselves ties back to what we were talking about earlier is very important because we get to define the genre of the movie that we live in. That is what karma means, you know? Exactly. Uh, it's very important to choose a fun movie, you know, if that's the kind of movie you would want to be in. If you want to be in a horror movie, you choose a movie. That's absolutely fine. And this is why Facebook is so toxic because it sort of makes you choose the stories that other people are having instead of your own story. And it's a lot more fun to just choose your own adventure. I, I mean, that's what I think. I guess a lot of people, I don't know. I think, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, first of all, yeah, talk about always being wrong. Um, the thought that came to my mind is, I think that's also, again, the way I was brought up and how things are. But in general, I was always of the belief, and I think that's a strong narrative in human study. I may be wrong. That at least I think subconsciously, even I don't know if I do that consciously, that I think humanity is always getting better. So whether we do or not, history will judge, you know, but like the whole phase of this pandemic, I always think, oh, like this year will be better. And again, maybe it's the optimism or et cetera. I'm like, not only me, but whole of humanity is getting better and things are getting better. Um, and you can actually say some statistics in general, it is. But then the sort of like, you know, this coronavirus sort of hits and, and then it starts to me questioning like, is actually humanity improving? Is it actually getting better? Um, and um, that was what I was thinking exactly like, hey, I can't predict the future. 
but B, even exactly how we choose our own narrative and what this narrative means, it's, for lack of a better word, I would say subjective even. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I would say in terms of the narrative, it's important that we choose a good one. Exactly. Why our time here. You know, if you woke up and realized that you're actually in a movie, my claim would be this is exactly a realization about that is not hypothetical. Well, you know? what about a movie again, sort of, I've been sort of been feeling that way. What about a movie you can't wake up from? Like sort of, it feels right now from my perspective is yes, I'm trying to make the best of it and I'm positive, but it feels like to some degree when I get up every day, I'm like, am I in some sort of weird it's not per se a horror movie, but in general, it's really weird a horror movie that everybody collectively is in and we cannot get up from. I don't want to say it's like super horrible, but the idea is sort of the feeling is right now, you can choose, in my opinion, you can choose the narrative of how to respond, but to some degree, it doesn't feel like, in my at least, we don't really have a choice of how this movie is going to play out. Right. And um, our actions are sort of depending, I think for the first time in our generation, at least in the U S really depends on things that are happening, like on a very societal big scale, which we need to sort of internally do our part in it. But it, I personally think like, I feel like we're in this sort of weird horror movie that we can't wake up from. Uh, let's uh, not view that. Let's not view it as a horror movie. Okay, yeah. Interesting. It, isn't. it yeah. isn't a horror movie, you know? It's a very nuanced film, I would say, with a lot of subplots and a lot of... I uh, like it, actually. I like that view. Like, it's a nuanced film, lots of subplots. We don't know how the end is. But that might be actually a better way to get up every day and be like, this is a... <laughs> Yeah. We're going to have some sad parts in the movie. All good movies have, not all of them, but some good movies have sad parts. And we're going to have sickness as well. And sickness is not fun, but it's right. part of it. Right. And it might even, we might, it might happen to us, right? Or to someone that we know. But all the characters die at the end. This is the nature of movies. The movie exactly. Ends. Yeah. And either the other characters died before you or just the movie ended for you. Right. And we always knew this is how it was going to end. So there's no point in being sad about that or being scared of it because we know it's going to happen. We know with uncertainty, right? So we can just enjoy the time up till then. And right. Enjoy the comedy or as a drama or as a thriller or as a horror movie if that's what we want. A lot of people like horror movies, you know. It was uh, Friday, the, Friday the 13th just a few days ago. Very appropriate, right? Yeah. And, uh, maybe it's a it's a really intense Friday the Thirteenth movie that we're stuck yeah. in that may last for a year. You know, it's a very intense movie. I know, but, yeah, but I really, really like what you said. I really like it. I'll start maybe thinking about this way: is that it's a uh, it's just a movie with many different subplots. We don't know yet. We know that there will be an end. We just don't know how the end will be exactly. Um, and just figure out what the journey means along the destination of that end. Um, I actually really like how you phrased it, actually. Thank you for that. I actually really well, like that. That's a different way frame. Because that's a different frame to think about things rather than get up and be like, oh, my God, I'm quarantined again, and this is reality. 
Um, this oh, is a lot better way to I mean, uh, to think about things. If you've seen Groundhog Day, I should write about that. Have you seen the movie? I love Ground- that movie. Yeah, I watched it a long time ago, but I loved it. Yeah, in Groundhog Day, he wakes up every day and he it's the same thing every day, and he starts going nuts and he gets really depressed. And in the movie, he tries to even kill himself, and he still can't get out of it. And then he just sort of accepts it. He's just like, all right, I guess this is what's exactly. going on. Uh, let me try to, you know, be the best person I can and, uh, like, you know, be nice to my friends and my neighbors and the people in my way. And uh, what are you going to do, you know? Exactly. And that's what we should be doing. I think we're stuck in some sort of a weird situation, but, uh, well, what are you going to do, you know? 150% agree. All right. Uh, Emilia, thank you very much uh, for coming on the podcast. Thank um, you. For sure, spending your time with us. And, um... Stay safe and stay healthy. Yes, please. Yeah, stay safe, stay safe, stay healthy. I had a lot of fun doing this. Um, and yeah, till next time. All right. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye.